Welcome to episode 93 of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, Senior Editor of Farm Exec Magazine, here along with my co-host, Assistant Editor Miranda Schmalkus. Farm Exec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, Miranda and I have the pleasure of speaking with Michael Petrusis, Senior Vice President and Head of GSK's U.S. Oncology Business Unit. Michael talks about how his background has taught him the importance of connecting with patients on their level and how he brings that mentality to GSK. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Michael. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, Miranda and I will be interviewing Michael Petrusis, Senior Vice President and Head of GSK's U.S. Oncology Business Unit. Michael's here to discuss the value of reaching out to diverse patients and their caregivers in a way that can improve their cancer experience. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. Thank you for having me, Lee. So you were born in Greece and started your career as a pharmacist. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and what ultimately led you into a career in the pharma industry? Absolutely. And uh, once again, thank you for having me here today. So I really wanted to become a pharmacist, mostly for the idea of serving patients and people. Growing up in Greece, I quickly realized that the pharmacist was not only the primary entry point into the healthcare system, but oftentimes the only point where patients had access to the system. And it provided an opportunity for patients to kind of come in, get some advice, understand what's the best path for their disease, but also someone that can listen to them. So that really sense of service that I had as an individual and and that purpose really came forward with the profession. And it really allowed me to serve my community, which was really important. And, And that's why I came into becoming a pharmacist. And what I liked about it is that you know, you got really close to the patients and the community, but I thought the one area that was missing is really being able to work in a space to have broader impact. And that's where I decided to go into the pharmaceutical industry. By getting into pharma, I realized that not only can I help patients outside of my community, a more diverse patient population, but also have a more enduring impact with the work that we do. How did that background help you realize the importance of connecting with patients? That's a great question. First and foremost, I think just understanding that patients are people first. Oftentimes as pharmacists, as clinicians, as people in the healthcare industry, we tend to think of a disease, the comorbidity, and then try to put a patient into a segment to see how we can both help them. But being a pharmacist, you soon realize that patients are people first and each of their individual journeys varies and getting to know them better can not only help you make the best treatment choice, but also helping on other areas of their journey, such as adherence and so on, the more you get to know them. And I think you all know that English is also my second language. And the more you get to know people, you get to realize what other barriers may exist. And sometimes it is language, sometimes it's ethnicity, and sometimes it's generational. And the way we communicate to people has to be different. So I really thought getting that understanding and foundation has really served me well in my career. 
Could you talk about the need to tailor communications in order to reach diverse audiences, such as different cultures and generations? Absolutely. And it's one that we continue to think about on how to best take that approach. The way I would simplify it is I look at it in two dimensions. One, as I covered previously, there's generational barriers and there are ethnic barriers. And the first thing we need to do is understand that they exist, accept them, and then try to not only tailor our communications to the individual generations and ethnicities that we work and support, but also find the right channels that we can communicate the content through. The second part and the second dimension is really the fact that there are also social barriers. So with those social barriers, we need to understand that how we communicate to these diverse groups and their support networks is going to be different. So I think recognizing what the barriers are and then the environment that we're in are key. Once you can do that, I think for me, keys to success have been number one, just tailor the communications to the big concerns. Often, you know, we try to throw too many things out on our problems or the things that we're trying to address. And I think finding, the, you know, the big pillars that really concern our communities matter. So just identifying what those are and tailoring it to that unique need will matter. The second is being as patient-centric as you can be. You know, COVID has caused a lot of isolation. It's caused a lot of change with regards to how people react. So the more we can understand that and be patient-centric helps. And for me, we can have 10 conversations with 10 women that are unfortunately diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And then you'll see that there's 10 different experiences. So the more we can see those experiences through the patient's eyes, that will also help us get to the best possible place to serve them. What are some examples of how GSK handles communicating to a diverse oncology community? Thank you for asking that question. I would say before I answer that, I just want to take a step back and say the two things that we've recognized through the pandemic are number one, that women have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. You see increase in childcare, homework with regards to helping the kids at home, but also the care that's needed. They've taken on a disproportional burden. Uh, and with that, that's come at the expense of their wellness visits and, and them prioritizing their health. Secondly, we've seen that COVID has really ravaged communities of color and that there's been a huge disparity of care that's been highlighted. We've seen that obviously with the vaccinations and where the gaps have existed. And that the reality is this one size fits all model that we may have had in the past isn't gonna work anymore. So the two things that we've done, I would say just to quickly mobilize our group to start getting back to serving our patients is number one, we've created these cross-functional leadership support groups, which is taking executives and senior leaders across all parts of our organization and specifically in oncology, in areas, whether it be sales, marketing, patient experience, and really dug deep to understand where we serve our patients on what their needs are, but also what has changed through the pandemic and quickly mobilize groups to regroup, make sure that we take those insights and adjust our approach quickly. The second thing we've done is also created these patient ambassador programs. And it's not only patients that have been on our products to share their experience, but patients that have been through their own individual journey, whether it be an ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, or multiple myeloma, to share that with their communities. And the reason and how we found that helps is that there's a lot of distrust that exists in the system today with a lot of the misinformation that may be out there. And that we find that patient ambassadors have been good stewards and a good way for us to both communicate about our products and also how we can continue together to help all of our patients.
So you kind of got into it a little bit with that last answer, but how has COVID affected your ability to reach patients? Yeah, wow, what a great question. And uh, we continue to struggle with that today. We've all talked about how through COVID, there's been a decrease in patients getting back to care, patient diagnoses. In fact, you know, interestingly, statistics have shown us that, you know, 55% of oncologists have talked about seeing less patients and diagnosing less patients, obviously, uh, with oncology related cancers. But we, they also report at the same time, 47%, that there's less chemo being used. 77% of them say that there's less surgeries. And for me, what was staggering is we just recently heard from Quest Diagnostics that eight top cancers are declining in terms of diagnosis. And I can tell you the obvious impact that's going to have in terms of our patients is they'll likely be diagnosed in later stages of their diseases. And what that will do, obviously, is unfortunately uh, have potentially poorer outcomes, but also the emotional journey that they're going to go through is going to be a lot different. And I can tell you that we may not be prepared for it. So we're trying to adjust not only what are the right resources that are going to be needed, but what is the emotional journey that they're going to be going through that may be different than if they had been diagnosed earlier and how we can we best support them. I talked a lot about misinformation out there. We need to continue to build trust and we need to continue, I would say more importantly, just to help get patients back to care. The quicker we can get everyone back to care, that will help solve some of the problems that I discussed. And then the one thing uh, last I, I would like to leave you with is, you know, we can't accept that getting back to normal is okay. Back to normal may have not been great. We need to use this as an opportunity to challenge ourselves to not only get back to where we are, but to improve the quality and the service that we provide our patients moving forward. When it comes to connecting with patients, do you see the potential for U.S. pharmacists to be more service focused or play a similar role to the old world community pharmacists you grew up with in Greece? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I would say if I can broaden that a little bit, it's not just about pharmacists. It's about our nurses. It's about our, all of our healthcare professionals, physicians, doctors, and even the pharmaceutical industry. We all need to broaden our care. We all need to be more compassionate. We all need to do a better job listening. And I think if we can do that, then the sky's the limit with regards to what we can do to help all of our patients. Michael, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting learning about the importance of connecting with patients on a level they can appreciate. Thank you for having me. And I know we're all in this together and I appreciate the forum and the opportunity today. Thank you. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at trueserumntwk.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. My name is Michael Petrutsis, and I'm the senior vice president and head of GSK U.S. Oncology Business Unit. And my leadership tip is to make sure that we treat all of our associates as people first. If we can make sure we lead with compassion, kindness, and ensure that we have the best intentions with everything we do, that will always be successful. We here at GSK have focused on three Ps, people, performance, and pace. 
We measure the success of our people with the environment we create and our ability to get the best out of them. Performance with the number of lives we're able to extend and pace within the pace that we work to ensure that we keep up with our science and the resources we need to support all of our patients. We'd have an opportunity to launch and have had an opportunity to launch four indications and three drugs in over the last two years, and it wouldn't have been without our people. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's PharmaExec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the PharmaExec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at PharmaExec.com, on Twitter at PharmaExec, on Instagram at PharmaExecutives, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of PharmaExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editorial Director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email Group Publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com.